Okay, anyways. How are you? How have you been? How was your week? Um uh, it's going. That it's doesn't going. sound great. <laughs> I'm not depressed as fuck anymore, but it's going. Hmm. Well, the new Hocus Pocus movie is out tonight. I don't know. Freaking excited. After we're done here, I'm immediately, like, I'm in my comfy clothes. I'm going to make some popcorn and maybe an alcoholic drink. And I'm going to get settled in. Hey, Siri. Please turn on Do Not Disturb. Okay, I turned on Do Not Disturb. He's a man? I don't like that Siri bitch. Why is he a man? Because I don't like what the bitch. We have three Alexas in our house, and one of them is a man. The one in the kitchen is a man. And every time he talks to me, I'm like, shut up. If Talk I can't figure out how to do something on the computer or on the phone, I ask Siri to do it. That's fair enough. After last week, um, talking about the betrayal and the burning and or no the secret and the burning and what a joy those were and this week we get to talk about my first experience with a horror slasher film yeah how did you so like just a very baseline how did you feel about them like if i were if i were just some rando just to be like not for a podcast just be like how did you feel about your first horror movie experience like what would you say overall a good experience it wasn't too terrifying which is good i'm always afraid of being afraid kai's having a snack by the way this is my dinner (laughs) don't um don't tell tony okay i won't i liked him okay yeah Mm, good stuff Oh, we should back up a little bit. We're talking about the Fear Street movies that we thought the Betrayal series was based on. Um, The Fear Street movies that are on Netflix. The Fear Street trilogy is a Netflix original horror movie trilogy directed by Leigh Janiak, inspired by the book series by R.L. Stein, better known as the author of the Goosebumps series. I think that might be Lee, but I'm not sure. It is Lee. I'm sorry. It's Lee Janiak. Sorry, Lee. Um, (laughs) I know you listen to the podcast. Watch. She's just like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to jump ahead a little bit and say um, something that, you know, because the whole point of contention for us was like, we wanted to read the books that the movies were based on. And like, we we didn't get that. Um, And I found an article on Pop Sugar where Lee Janiak says, like, she mostly just wanted to inspire the feeling of the books. And Pop Sugar listed the books that they are inspired by. Um, and we got Fear Street Cheerleaders, The First Evil, The Surprise Party, The Wrong Number, Trapped, Lights Out, uh, Fear Park, The First Scream, and then <laughs> Fear Street Saga, The Betrayal, which is one of the three books we read last episode. I honestly don't think it's based off of any of them, but I haven't read any of them, but 
I mean, I see um, inspiration from the betrayal in the last movie. I don't see it being based on it, but I see inspiration. And that's about as far as that goes. And the quote from Lee Janiac says, they're not really based concretely in the books. Mostly, I think I would endeavor to stay true to the spirit of the books, which is kind of subversive and edgy for teenage readers. So I can appreciate where she's coming from. Quick question that's very off topic. Yeah. Do you ever think, like, animals want to speak? Um, if they can comprehend what speaking is, um, then yes, I think they probably want to speak quite a lot. Because Ziggy's just staring at me like this. <laughs> with his squinty little eyes because he wants a snack. I think he's, I mean, they want to communicate with us, I think. Um, I think they understand that there's a communication barrier. So, yes, I think is my answer to your question. Because sometimes, honestly, it's just so weird that, like, I'm just sitting here with him for hours. and He just don't say nothing, except for the occasional, Ugh. What if he just started talking to you one day, like full? I would literally shit my pants; my butthole would fall out. <laughs> just imagine he was like, you came home and you were just tired. It's been a long day, and he's like, "Hey, Kaya, how was your day at work?" Like in a full-grown man's voice. Do you ever wonder what your pet's voice would sound like? I already know what they would sound like. We like we voice our pets. Um, we give them voices, like voice actors. We change them a lot, though. <laughs> I think Ziggy would sound like a five-year-old. I don't know. Like, <clears throat> it's so weird that, like, now that I'm, like, oh, what do my cats sound like? I can't, like, give you an example of what we say when when we're, like, voicing them. But we give them voices when they're being little dumbasses. And if you don't do that with your pets, then, like, do you really love them? I don't think you do. I just talk to him like he's a real person. I feel like if I had a kid, that's what I'd do. Like, you know how people talk in baby voices to their kids? I don't think I'd do that. Mm. I'm, like, the opposite. <laughs> My friend, Heather, who listens. Hey, Heather. Brought her baby over one day. And I was just sitting there talking to her baby, like girl this is a safe space you don't need to feel worried here ain't no crying here you fine <laughs> well did the baby keep crying yeah <laughs> well you tried your best <laughs> that's the one with the cute baby that's on your fridge right oh yeah sorry we got so off <laughs> but that is just what you should expect from us i think um because i'm keeping this in <laughs> oh good so some facts about the fear street trilogy um these films were actually shot back to back um they shot the uh i think they shot the yeah they shot the last one first and then the second one and then they did the 
for yeah so they shot them backwards i'm pretty sure is what they did sorry they intended to release them in theaters one after the other with a month between each of them um but covid happened so instead they released one after the other over three weeks in 2021 on netflix once they got the rights to it nice yeah it was an awesome like viewing experience um i loved it let's get let's get started okay awesome all right so we'll start with the first movie obviously fear street part one 1994 yeah it opens up with a guy murdering people in a mall yeah um a dumpy looking mall yeah it looks very decrepit and also the girl um in the beginning we i thought she worked in like a dvd rental place um apparently she worked in a bookstore which did not register and in the opening scene you can see the fear street novels like it's panning across like the fear street novels in the opening scene well now that is clever yeah very cute and i think when like that lady in the opening scene she's renting that book and um or she's buying that book and she's like oh did you like it and she's like it wasn't really that good and i'm wondering which book that was <laughs> probably the betrayal series. <laughs> um but yeah the guy who's a murderer is ryan torres and he is actually friends with the girl heather they both work at the mall and um Heather is going to get a ride home from Ryan as they're closing up shop at the mall at their respective shops. But then, like, Ryan thinks he hears her call his name as she walks away, and she's like, I didn't say anything weirdo. Um, And then they depart ways, and then all of a sudden, there's this crazy guy in a skull mask. And then he's slaughtering people in the mall, and then he gets to Heather. It turns out to be Ryan. Yeah, there's a chase scene, and she pulls off the mask, and she's like, <gasps> Ryan. And yeah. then a cop shoots him in the back of the head, and they both die in each other's arms. Yeah. Basically. Um. Apparently, that scene was super inspired by Scream. Okay, what happens next um, mm-hmm. after we find out it's Ryan? Oh, that girl. What was her name? Dina? Yeah. Um, we see Dina in her bedroom, and she's writing a letter to her ex, Sam. And she's writing a very mad, edgy letter, being like, I hate you, and I wish we never met you, and blah, whatever. And then you meet her brother, Josh, in the basement, and he's chatting on AOL. And there's so much 90s music going on. It's, like, way too many songs within, like, a five-minute period. Like, we get it. Also, some of the songs were released after 94, which is just something that... It's okay. They're still bops. Like, it's a good soundtrack, don't get me wrong. So, yeah, we meet Dina and Josh. They live in the town of Shadyside. Um, They go to school, and you kind of uh, get the vibe that, I don't know, what would you say? It's like, I don't know, rowdy. And uh, this is the same school that Heather, the girl who just got murdered at the mall, went to. And you can see a bunch of 
Rest in peace notes on her locker. It um it reminds me of the high school from a Cinderella story with Hillary Duff. Just mm. chaotic. Yeah, it is chaotic. Um, at some point, um, someone drags like a witch in a noose. I think it's a, like some kind of mannequin in a noose down the hallway. Like they're galloping down the hallway with someone in a noose, and it's like that's much. I think they're wearing a jersey. Like the mannequin is wearing a jersey of the other school. I'm I might be misremembering. Um, the other school is in Sunnyvale, and that's the whole premise of this um story is Sunnyvale versus Shady Side. At the school we meet Kate and Simon who are Dina's friends. Um they deal drugs and Simon's just kind of um weird. I don't know how else to describe him. He's like your stereotypical stoner. Yeah, I guess he is a stoner character, yeah. And Kate is a cheerleader. And um, they're kind of cracking jokes about Heather, the girl got that got murdered. And Dina's like, guys, like, stop. It's not funny. And they're like, like, what's your problem? It's funny. And she's like, it's not funny. Like, someone's dead. <laughs> um, so then there's a candlelight vigil held for Heather um, later that night. In Sunnyvale. Um, in Sunnyvale, right. At a football game. Yes. And so all of the Sunny Veilers are there and all of the Shady Siders are there. And you can kind of see um, as the bus is traveling through um, the town from Shadyside <laughs> to Sunnyvale, like the wealth disparity, like the houses get fancier and fancier. And when you get to the football stadium, you can see in the background um, after the sheriff introduces himself. His name is Sheriff Good. There's a bunch of signs in the back that say, like, Good Realty and um, other, like, brands and things that have the name Good on them. It's the big name in town. Yeah. The, the mayor's name is also Good. So Think about, like, your tiny-ass hometown and how, like, there's one last name that's everywhere. It's just like that. Yeah. Um... So yeah, they have that candlelight vigil as that's happening. Um, Dina at some point sneaks off and she meets up with Sam, her ex, and um, she gives her a shoebox of like all her stuff. And they have this fight about how Sam moved away and went to Sunnyvale. She moved away from Shadyside and... Um, Dina's like you're running away from who you really are and and she's mad because Sam has a boyfriend now and she feels like she's pretending to be something she's not um, maybe she's just bi uh, you're right yeah that's what I thought of too however like it was hard for me to root for that because Peter her boyfriend at Sunnyvale was such a dick he got what was coming to him mm, yeah I mean yeah. So, like, they have their little fight, and then they go their separate ways. They get back to the football field at the vigil, and then um, some, like, words were thrown from the Sunnyvale side, and then Shady, someone on the Shady side, side was like, what did you say? And then a whole fight breaks out. The cops show up, 
and everyone's kind of stonewalling the police and being like, oh, like nothing really happened. Like, we don't know who threw the, threw the first punch. Like, who knows? So they don't really get anywhere with that investigation. And they kind of take the bus home. Yeah. They take the bus home. Dina's in the back. Mm-hmm. Depressed. Yeah. And then she sees her girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, Sam, in the car with her boyfriend, Peter, and some other dudes. And they're chasing the bus, which... Why? Yeah. And then they take this sport cooler. Like, you know, the thing that the Gatorade is in. And they open up the emergency exit on the back of the bus. And they throw it at the car, and the car spirals out of control into a ditch. <laughs> Dina's like, stop the bus! And it's like, what? I don't know, man. Like, why did the bus driver not stop when, first of all, the Sunny Veilers were throwing the glass bottles? And then second of all, when they opened the back door? Like, why was the bus driver just, like, letting all this happen? I don't know. But anyways... The car that Sam was in crashes because of the cooler, and Sam gets hurt, and she bleeds on this red moss yes. on the ground, and um, she sees this weird vision and the screaming lady, and um, she's not really sure what it is. And when Dina and the others come up to her, she's like, "Did you see that?" And they kind of don't they they don't answer her. They just are like, "Oh my god, like you're bloody as hell." And she ends up going to the hospital. And then, later that night... Oh, maybe it is later that night. Some creep-ass in a skull mask is creeping on Dina's house. And the place where Kate babysits. And I think it's Sam's boyfriend, Peter. The the, the, the douche canoe. (laughs) And then they go to the hospital to see Sam. And then um, Dina and Sam have a huge fight about how um you know sam says that dina's just gonna wake up in 20 years and be just like her dad who's a drunk and works two jobs and doesn't do anything with his life and like um ouch and they're having this screaming match and all of a sudden there's like a squelching sound and they turn and like peter has a knife through his stomach so he's dead and it's this gully dude And then they chase Sam and Dina through the hospital. And then they go to the police because at some point, um, the Scully dude's mask comes off and they see that it's Ryan Torres. But, like, they know that Ryan Torres is dead because the cops shot him in the beginning. So, like, what the hell? So they go to the police and they're like, hey, um, I saw Ryan Torres at the hospital and he was killing everybody. And they're talking to Sheriff Good. He's like, what does he say? He's like, oh, did they look more walking dead or did he look more evil dead? So he was just not taking them seriously. They steal an ambulance at some point. That's right. They stole the ambulance to get to the sheriff, didn't they? I think they did. Didn't? Why didn't? Why did no one at the police station notice they were in an ambulance? It's not like his job's on the line or anything. <laughs> So after they try to get help from the sheriff, um, there's this girl who's singing this 
Mm, nursery rhyme, this song, this like old time fifties style like speakeasy type song. She's kind of sitting all alone, and Simon goes to check on her, and then she attacks. Excuse me, she attacks him with a straight razor, and she pretty much almost kills him. But Dina had stole a gun from an officer at, at the um, sheriff's department. So she shoots her. They like reconvene at Dina's house. And they tell Josh, Dina's little brother, what's going on. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what did this girl look like? And he tells him. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's Ruby Lane. And they're like, who's Ruby Lane? And she's like, this is the girl who went crazy and killed everyone at her party and then killed herself. Josh has like this whole board of like red string and conspiracies about like that how... meme. Yeah, like the meme, the Pepe Silva meme from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. His theory is that it's the witch's curse. Um the whole idea is that there is a witch named Sarah Fear and she put a curse on Shady Side when she was hung for witchcraft. And it curses specifically Shady Siders. And every few years, um, a Shady Sider like goes ballistic and kills a bunch of people. So it was Ruby Lane, and then now it's Ryan Torres. And so Josh clues everyone in on what this is, and he tells everyone about the previous um, serial killers before then. <clears throat> all the way back to the very first one and everyone's like not really taking him seriously at first but then they decide to go back to where sam uh had her crash because then she says well i had a vision and maybe if we go back there we can find out what's going on so they go back and they find a bunch of bones they go to the school the high school Something I forgot to put in the outline here is the whole thing about how Sam, they want Sam. So, oh yeah. About that. There's a bunch of killers that are on the loose now that were already dead. And they all want to kill Sam because Sam's blood got on the red mossy shit. And so it's a side that, um, they're going to go to the school and they're going to set up a trap and they're going to take Sam's blood and they're going to put it in the, the bathroom and they're going to um, lure them so that they can blow them up and they do and they think that's the end but we're only within the first 30 minutes of the movie so it's not the end um they in the goop the killer goop <laughs> their like hands and bodies start coming up and reforming and then they start going after sam again and then they are looking at these like articles or something like that and they see that this girl named c berman um had seen the witch at one time and she survived a massacre that had a guy with a burlap sack over his head and an axe but she died 
first. And then she got resuscitated. And so they're like, oh my god. <laughs> Let's kill Sam! <laughs> One of them. I think it's Simon. It's like, you can take this, and it's going to do this. And then you can take this, and it's going to do this. And then you can take this, and it's going to do this. And you got to take them in the right order, or else you're going to die for real. And so they decide to kill her by making her OD. And the thing is that I didn't get was if it takes like 15 minutes for this shit to kick in, damn, them killers are going to be there in like no time. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it didn't work. They go to a grocery store that one of them works at, I think. Simon. I think it's Simon. And he gives them this goddamn cocktail of drugs and they start sam starts taking them then the killers start coming in they decide that because it's not working that they're gonna have to drown sam in a lobster tank so kate and simon and josh are distracting the zombie murderers and they put sam's blood on their bodies so that they smell like her kate ends up going through a bread slicer and that's yeah. and simon is axed by the axe man and josh is about to get axed as well so sam finally drowns and the killers just I don't know. What do they do? They just poof? They kind of just like poof. And like they do this really weird like thing where like as Sam's Dina's really trying to drown Sam and they do this thing where like they keep they replay like the last couple steps the killers took. Like they go cut between each three of them and they like replay in slow-mo like the steps they just took. It was kind of strange like a strange choice cinematically um eventually sheriff good takes her statements and then they think they're safe oh and they do bring sam back with well they try to take bring her back with epinephrine which is stupid because she drowned but she also took all them drugs i mean maybe the epinephrine helped but she also drowned so then they do cpr and she comes back to life. C. Berman calls Dina's phone number because they had called her and they're like, how'd you do it? While she's on the phone with them, um, she tells them, you can't beat the witch. She's going to come after you. And Sam, Sam's name is getting written on a piece of stone. And right after that happens, Sam stabs Dina. And Dina ties up this possessed version of Sam with a phone cord. Yep. <laughs> and it ends right there. Yeah, um, I think Dina says to Josh, she's like, Sam's not feeling very well. And then... It's kind of creepy. Yeah, and then, it, and then it stops. And then, I mean, then in real time, you had to wait a week. To find out what I believe sometime Sheriff Good slipped a note into 
see Berman's mailbox or mail slot on her door that said like it's happening again or something like that. He did. Yeah, he did do that. Um, which kind of hinted that they knew each other somehow. So yeah, that's how 1994 ends. Um, I used to think 1994 was my favorite. Um, but after rewatching them for <clears throat> the however many times I've seen them, um, I don't think it's my favorite anymore. I think this next one is my favorite. Yeah, I like the last two. Part two, 1978. Starts with Jean- <laughs> Gina. Dina and Josh breaking into C. Berman's house. Um, C. Berman gives them a little bit of information about what happened mentioned that she was at camp for a week and then her sister was dead within the first probably 10 minutes or so they cut back to 1978 at camp nightwing we are introduced to ziggy berman who is getting bullied and then a man teenager named nick good rescues her um, the sheriff, future sheriff. Um, we're introduced to Nurse Lane, who was, she's played a part in all three movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she plays the same character in this movie as she does in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She takes the kids that Kate was babysitting when shit started going down. Um, and Nurse Lane is Ruby Lane's mother and if you recall ruby lane was the one that um tried to kill simon with the what did you call it a straight razor yeah and she was the one that was singing like the 50s ish song ziggy goes to nurse lane because she needs to get treated for a burn that was given to her while she was being bullied by sheila by sheila fucking sheila we're then introduced to Cindy Berman and Tommy. I don't know his last name. Later, I couldn't remember. I it. thought it was, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. And they have Tommy, <laughs> that red mossy shit, in the outhouses. And then Alice, and her boyfriend Arnie, are slacking off and not cleaning, and they're asking for drugs. You do you? I remember this one a lot more than the first one. Ziggy says that shady siders are doomed to have a sucky time, but Cindy, her sister, says that she'll work hard to have a better life because their life at home isn't like the best. Um, I think their mom works a lot, and I don't think they have a dad. Yeah, their dad left. The scene cuts to Nurse Lane attacking Tommy, and. Cindy's like, hey, what the fuck? Except she didn't say, hey, what the fuck? Because at this point, she doesn't swear at all. Um, And Nurse Lane is like, he'll be dead tonight. Mark my words or whatever. And she gives no other explanation. There's something that they're doing at camp that day called a color war. And like the sunny, sunny, sunny side, sunny veil. People are red, and this doesn't matter. The shady shady people are blue. Cindy and Tommy go into Nurse Lane's office because she's gone. 
because the police took her away, I think, mm-hmm. because she attacked Tommy. And they're looking for clues as to why she attacked Tommy. And Alice and Arnie are looking for drugs. Like, what are they going to find in the nurse's office, dude? And they find a journal with some witchy shit in it. They find this bottle and Alice and Arnie are holding on to it. And someone's one of some, somebody's like, it's just Tylenol. Because Cindy and Tommy are arguing with them about this bottle of whatever. And they go on an adventure in the woods because in the journal they find a map. And they go to follow the map. And they find this, like, basement. And it's super spooky. All kinds of weird shit in it. And they find a wall, a brick wall, stone wall, excuse me, with a list of all the shady side serial killers. And Tommy's name is right at the bottom. And then, without any notice... Tommy goes into a trance and he kills Arnie. And then he chases Cindy and Alice. But by this time they're separated and they're in a cave and the rocks fall down and Tommy's on the other side and he he has access to all the campers. And it would have been so much better if it was the other way around, you know? Alice and Cindy are just kind of bitching at each other, right? So then it goes over to Ziggy and Nick and they're bonding over Stephen King and other shit and they plot to get revenge on Sheila who was Ziggy's bully and then they bond some more and they have this adorable romantic kiss. Right? And (laughs) then we pan to this little nerd ass kid who's host he's um the warden for the color war jail and he's a shady cider and he (laughs) he he loses all his prisoners yeah he loses all his prisoners and then as if his luck could not get any worse he gets murdered (laughs) it's not funny kaya (laughs) and then he's found and all the counselors are just like holy shit there's a murderer we need to get back to the mess hall pronto stat color we're over we're done with this so we cut back to alice and cindy and they they've been like fighting in in the caves and they've been lost they don't really know where they're going they're trying to get out but then they realize with the witchy journal that the witch's mark which is like this circular thing with a bunch of like angles um it's actually a map to the cave system that they're in and um so they use that to get around and towards the center of it they see this weird fleshy hearts thing like pulsating and there's a bunch of flies around it and alice feels compelled to touch it for some godforsaken reason i don't know why she look at that thing it's a sensory thing and she was like oh squish (laughs) maybe but like 
I don't know. You know the feeling. I like squishy things, but I wouldn't touch that thing. It looks smelly too. Um, it had that's because of the flies. I true. It also looked rotten though. Like it was just it was a whole thing, but it's gross. Um, so she touches it right, and then she her hand is almost like stuck to it, and she has all these visions. And she sees all the previously killed people by the shady side killers. And at some point she sees Cindy all bloodied up. And all of this really freaks her out. And she's kind of running all over the place. And she trips. And she breaks oh her leg. That was the worst part of the entire fucking series. Yeah, because her... Like, um, that gave me the heebie-jeebies so bad. Her fibula? Is that the right bone? Her it bone was- is like sticking out of her leg. I don't know which bone that is. But it's it's sticking out and it looks gnarly. Cindy um is a pro though and she um She wraps her leg up. Yeah, she wraps her leg up. And then they have this nice little um bonding moment where they're like, Oh, I, I really was a jerk. No, I was a jerk and it was it's great, they make up. Um and then Cindy notices they're by the witchy bathroom moss. Um so that they're, they're close to camp so they can find the bathrooms and then somehow get out so above ground tommy is going on killing kids and counselors um he kills one of the shady side counselors that we get to know a little bit and um he kills a few more kids um you know all of this is kind of going unseen by the rest of the campers because they're all in the mess hall and being in the mess hall there's a couple counselors that go out to find stragglers and all of a sudden ziggy realizes that sheila is still in the bathroom because her and nick locked her in the bathroom after pulling a prank on her so she goes to get her but while she's trying to tell sheila what's going on sheila beats her ass and somehow um ziggy accidentally knocks her out um, a counselor follows in after her, and she, he's like, what's going on? And she's like, I, I can't explain. Uh, and then all of a sudden, she hears something coming from the toilet, and it's her sister. So her sister and her counselor send a bucket down to get her. Um, but Tommy comes in, and he chops off the counselor's head, and the counselor's body falls down into the toilet hole onto Alice's leg. <laughs> Ziggy and Nick end up running away from Tommy together after this. And Nick takes one in the leg to help Ziggy run away. Because, if you'll remember, the Shady Side killers only really care about killing Shady Siders. Because during this whole rampage, Tommy has only killed Shady Siders. He has not killed anyone from Sunnyvale. They have been trying to organize a bus to take them away from camp. And by the time Ziggy gets up there, after all of this happens, um, the bus has driven off. Like, she sees it driving away, and so the bus is left without Alice, Cindy, Ziggy, and Nick. So, all Shady Siders except for Nick. Ziggy fights Tommy. Um, she lures him into the mess hall, and she, like, puts on some really loud music. And it comes off just as she's right behind him. And she puts up a pretty good fight for being so small compared to Tommy. But 
he does end up choking her. Um, he almost gets her. But um Cindy comes up through her grate in the floor. Yes. Uh Cindy had managed to get up from the cave system into the like kitchen area, and there's a grate in the floor, and she kicked it open and she stabs Tommy just in time to save Ziggy. And eventually Alice also makes her way up from the caves. And the thing is, um, Alice was asking Ziggy if she had it in her to kill Tommy mm. a little while back. Cindy. Yep, Alice that's what back. I meant. Yeah. Cindy didn't think she could kill her boyfriend, and neither did Alice. Yeah. And because Cindy said when Nurse Lane went after Tommy, like, she just stood there. So like when it comes to Tommy like I don't know I don't know could you do it I don't know if I could I'd probably let him kill me <laughs> it's not fun to think about so while Alice and Cindy were in the cave system they found Sarah Fear's hand now a little bit of background information um you learn that her hand was not buried with her body because of something i don't know but they say that her hand was cursed they say that her they say something like her hand was chopped off on satan's stone something to do with like perhaps pledging her allegiance to him or something along those lines i think so they find her hand in that mossy shit while she was resting, she being Alice, was resting in the caves. And they plan to bury the hand with her body by the hanging tree. Everybody knows which tree is the hanging tree, and it's a tree right on camp. And it's the tree that Ziggy was by while she was getting bullied at the very beginning of the movie. And the legend says that if they bury the hand, reunite the hand with the body, the curse will stop. Okay. They plan to bring it to the tree. And um, as this is all going on, Ziggy somehow bleeds on the hand. Somehow. And because of this, because of this cursey shit, uh, Tommy comes back to life. And he kills Alice, who we were just starting to like. Yeah. Cindy and Ziggy go to bury the hand at the hanging tree and when they're digging they discover that seraphir's body is not there and the only thing that's there is a rock a large rock that says the witch lives forever and then both of the sisters get killed and they die right next to each other holding each other's hand just like that renaissance piece of art like they're like almost touching whatever and nick finds ziggy nick her lover finds ziggy and gives her cpr and we find out as they are giving her information to the emt that her first name is christine and her last name is berman and that makes her c berman we go back to present day. Dina and Josh get the hand from the tree 
because they're telling Christy and they're like, we know where the body is. We know where she's buried. Um, and the hanging tree is currently in the center of the Shady Side Mall, which is shady as fuck. And they plan to reunite it with the hand when Dina lays the hand with the rest of the bones because they bring it, bring the bones to the um, the mossy shit in the woods where the crash was the car crash was in the first movie she gets this vision where she's transported back in time and someone calls her seraphir like she is seraphir and we come to the last movie which is most people's favorite 1666 (laughs) fun fact about this movie it uses all the same actors from the previous two movies and it's not quite time travel. It's just Dina seeing Seraphir's story playing out in front of her. A bunch of the younger people in the village, uh, it's a, I guess, town of called Union. They're secretly telling each other about a party that they're planning to have in the woods that evening. And Sarah's obviously having a fling with the pastor's daughter named Hannah Miller. They go into the woods and they go to the it's not really a house but like more of like a like a shack a tent type thing that belongs to this widow and they go with their friend lizzie to get some fermented berries so that they can get inebriated of some sort while they're at the party i love that i wrote fucked up and you said inebriated (laughs) (laughs) um this woman was supposedly a witch and she was supposedly exiled from union because she fell in love with a native american man which is apparently pretty fucked up this boner dude named caleb tries to hit on hannah And she keeps telling him no. And he's like, yeah, baby. And Sarah steps in and she makes fun of him for having a boner right in public. And she points it out to everybody. And he's pissed off about it. Sarah and Hannah go off into the woods and they they have some sexy time. Except uh, the bad news is somebody saw them and they weren't supposed to have sexy time because it's 1666 and lesbians don't exist yet, apparently. The following morning, there's a lot of fucky shit going on. Uh, The fierce pig ate her babies, which, yo. It's not that unusual because sometimes mamas eat babies. Animal mamas eat babies, not so much human (laughs) right um eat babies if um they are new mothers or if they aren't doing well or if they died or something like that um but they also see that the crops are all spoiled um bread is molding and then sarah's dog oh what the hell was his name um mary boy mary boy what a good dog name that's gonna be my next dog's name um mary boy who she's been looking for all morning um they find him somewhere but um not before they're having problems with the town well 
because it has been poisoning the water supply. And the reason it's been poisoning the water supply is because Mary Boy was drowned in the well. There's this town madman or drunkard named Mad Thomas, and he says it's the devil's doing. I, I doubt it. <laughs> and the pastor's acting fucking weird, and Sarah is like, hey, I need you to come over because daddy's acting weird. And he's been muttering to himself, and he's got these icky flies around him, which, ugh. And Hannah says, um, Hannah's like, look, girl, I appreciate you're here, but um, I can't see you anymore because my mom thinks that we're lovers, which we are, but she can't know that we're lovers or think that we're lovers. So Sarah leaves, but not before she gets caught by Hannah's mom. She's a real ass and tosses her out on the street. She's like, everyone in town knows what you are and God knows what you are and And she's just a real bitch about it. There's this other guy hanging around town. His name is Solomon. His last name is... It's not bad. (laughs) Stop. His last name is good. (laughs) Are you pleased with yourself? And um, he's Nick Good's ancestor. And (laughs) um, his wife, he died and he became a widower and he moved outside of the settlement. And Sarah's dad wants her to marry him but they're just frenzies and she confides in Solomon about her being gay and she worries that she brought on the curse but he's like nope 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 not your fault I can assure you that when she returns to the town union she sees the pastor has locked himself up in the church with all of the children and these people are like what is he doing with the children? And they're like, the men are like, we'll find out. Let's break down the motherfucking door. So they burst through the doors of the church. They find a pile of eyeballs in the middle of the floor. And the pastor is mumbling to himself at the altar. And I believe his eyeballs are gone too. And he took all the eyeballs of the children and scooped him out. And then all of a sudden, the townspeople burst in after the men do. And they see what the hell has happened. And they're all screaming witchcraft. Something that's worth noting, when everyone floods in to see that their designated child has been killed by the pastor, Sarah comes in and see her, sees her brother has been killed. And then the pastor, like, turns and quote-unquote looks at her because Molly can't look at her because he doesn't have eyes but he turns to her and he goes to like kill her or something and Solomon saves her by stabbing his him through the torso with a pitchfork and that's when everyone's like witchcraft I literally forgot about that part so we cut to Caleb the boner dude and he's bitter and sad and pathetic And he testifies that Hannah and Sarah bewitched him. All the men of the town are like, I guess it's so. They must be witches. We gotta hang them. And Hannah is captured and she's chained up 
but Sarah has not been captured and she's still lurking around trying to figure out what the hell's going on now she can free them and she she goes to Hannah she sneaks in to see Hannah and they have a little chit chat and Hannah's just like go go save yourself so Sarah goes to find that little hut in the woods that belonged to the widow who they thought was a witch but they find that she's dead and the shit that they found in I was gonna say the shit that they found in her apartment um the shit they found in her hut the book about witchcraft and other occult things are gone and so Sarah goes to Solomon and she tells him and she's saying that somebody must have traded the town of Union in exchange for power or something and Solomon hides Sarah while she's at his house um, because the townspeople come looking for her. She hides in like his bedroom or something like that and while she's hiding she finds this little door which leads to a tunnel and she finds the book and she finds the witch's mark carved in the floor and a goat head and a bunch of blood and all kinds of shit like that. He finds her down there after he's done sending the townspeople away and she's like hey man what the fuck is this and he's like it's just like one person every couple of years and it's a small price to pay considering that you know I'm gonna be powerful and it keeps the town safe or something and stupid sorry and he's like join me join me and we can make a life together dealing with the occult and she's like i don't think so and so she runs away into this tunnel bullshit um which seems to be the same tunnel from the second movie that anna anna who the fuck is anna Alice and Cindy are maneuvering their way through and he chases her and while he's chasing her he cuts off her hand which is how it ended up in the tunnels with all that mossy shit and she keeps running away and when she comes up out of the tunnels she ends up in the church which I believe was where the mess hall is he comes up behind her and he's yelling at the people that he found the witch cuts to a new scene she confesses to witchcraft says that it was all her hannah's innocent um so that she can save hannah from hanging and she curses solomon before she dies telling him that the truth will come out after she's hanged so they move her body and they bury her the moss that red moss spreads after that we cut back to 1994 dina fills in josh and is like hey yeah um it's not sarah fear um it's sheriff good that we have to fear (laughs) fear um and they get back to ziggy and they tell her to and she's like (laughs) bitch what the fuck and she's like i just called him and i thought he would be of good help um and they realize that they need to kill him 
so that his next of kin cannot continue with the sacrifices because those are bad. They recruit a custodian at the mall and this guy that Josh met at the the police department who was, I don't know, a tweaker or something because they find him on the street. Is that the custodian? That's not the custodian. Yeah, it is the custodian. He's not a tweaker. Oh, why was was he? He was at the police station because Sheriff Good framed him for graffiti. Oh, well, Sheriff Good's a dick. Yeah, and Martin is the custodian. He's like, Sheriff Good, more like Sheriff motherfucking evil. And he says that in the first movie. And that's, you know, your first hint that... And he says, Sheriff Good says in the first movie that he's like, these are my cans. Like, I did this. So you already know that he's like a shitty guy from the beginning. Okay, so they recruit Martin, who's the custodian, who's not a tweaker um and he's actually a pretty funny dude and he has no clue what the fuck is going on um and then they show him sam being possessed and he's like oh shit okay i'll help i still don't know what's going on but i'll help they basically do the same thing that they did in high school um but they do it with dina's blood because at some point i believe dina had bled on the moss or something I think so. Yeah. When she had her vision, I think she bled on the bone. Yep. I think she got like a nosebleed or something. And we know how they feel about being bled on. You don't bleed on the bones. So they do that with Dina's blood at the mall. They fill these super soakers with blood juice. And they, I believe, use it to trap the serial killers in the mall now it's an indoor mall, like most malls are, and they've got them like roll down grates. I worked at a mall, and I don't, I still don't know what they're called. They're, you know, they're the gates that you pull down when you're closing up shop. Because most mall stores, most mall stores don't have doors. Right. <laughs> you know what we're talking about? The jail bars. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they put some blood inside some of the stores to like lure some of the monsters into um and eventually the monsters start coming Dina decides it's her time to shine and she runs down in a tunnel system and she has a showdown with Nick Good and she's like oh excuse me he's like we deserve our good things which okay yeah you would if you weren't sacrificing people for those good things Sam gets untied and tracks down Dina in the tunnel, and she starts fighting her, and they're just throwing fists. And then Nick starts fighting her during this fight scene, and Dina puts his hand on the gross, bushy <laughs> thing from the second movie that Alice touched and made her have all them nasty ass visions. And then he has a, a vision, which is ended by Dina stabbing him in the eyeball, 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 mm-hmm. which ends up killing him, and. Wait a second. We forgot to mention the part where they spray the serial killers with the blood. With the blood. Um, and they all start going after each other and ripping each other to pieces. Yeah. They were um, like, it, it was a good part. I think they were going to do that to Nick and spray him. I think that was part of the original plan. They were going to spray Nick and have the serial killers go after him. They Maybe. do 
they were gonna carry him so like they were gonna dump blood a bucket of blood on him dina's blood um but then they they ended up vetoing it and i think he does get blood on him at some point but, but they don't go after him because he, he, he gets out of it somehow i can't remember he somehow gets um i think he has like c berman in his hands like he has her like in his like the crook of his elbow and he has like, oh a gun or in something. a chokehold or something yeah and then um she somehow gets away and then all of them he gets the blood on her then they have blood on them like our guys that we're rooting for and so they go into a shop and lock themselves in and josh is like well my sister's still out there like i gotta do something they change clothes do they change clothes i don't know but that seems like a logical idea it is a logical idea but i don't think they brought extra clothes well they're in a mall they weren't in a clothes shop though god damn it (laughs) towards the end of the fight that dina is having with nick good josh is out there making his last stand and c berman and martin come out and they also decide to help he's making his last stand against those killers because he doesn't want them to go after his sister and right as they're about to get him that's when dina shoves the stabs nick good in the eye and then they all poof they fade away so sam and dina obviously stop fighting because nick good is dead and they follow the tunnel and they exit through a fancy ass house um which can only be assumed to be sheriff goods and kyla wants me to tell you that his home decorating skills are through the fucking roof but the roof is terrible (laughs) i just don't understand like the surplus of goat heads and then the surplus of motivational posters it's just a choice and it's not a choice that I condone. So Sunnyvale Look runs out. As soon as they exit the house, somebody's hit by a fucking garbage truck. And then Nick Good is exposed as a serial killer on the news. Towards the end of the movie, like, um, there's this little part where Josh um, kind of oh, this was so meets weird. this girl where... He had actually been chatting with her on AOL this entire time, but they, like, never knew who he, like, they really were. And she signs his cast, because he broke his arm during all the bullshit. And she signs his cast, and she puts her handle on her. Yeah, her screen name. And it's the girl he's been chatting with this entire time. And his face is like, (gasps) and it's really cute. It is really cute. And then... um, Uh Sarah and fuck her name's not Sarah. Sam yeah. and Dina um end up together and Sam is just like fuck you to her mom. Oh, and uh Dina and Josh's dad turns out not to be a deadbeat kind of. And he leaves them a nice little sticky note on the door or whatever. That's right. It's interesting you remember that. Um C Berman goes to meet Nurse Lane at the end of the movie 
she goes to meet up with Nurse Lane and talk, she... uh, talk about things. Good. Um, I almost forgot about that part. But yeah, Dina and Sam go have their little date in, in the red witchy moss and listen to the pixies and eat burgers and it's all very cute. And then the movie's over and the trilogy's over and I guess they're planning on making more Fear Street movies and as long as I don't read the books, I'm here for it. With that, we've got some fun facts. And I also want to talk about some little parallels. Um, I will say some fun facts. I want to start with the horror movie homages in part one. Like I said, um, with the first kill with Heather, they pay homage to Scream. And they also pay homage to The Shining um, in part one when the Axeman is going off after them. They recreate the whole axe through the door scene like shot for shot um and the shining is like one of my favorite horror movies and then one of the coolest kills kate with the bread slicer which i think i really like the technical aspects of like how they do the gore in movies i think it's really cool how they do the effects makeup and everything kate with the bread slicer in the supermarket um apparently that was inspired by a 1989 movie called the intruder which i haven't seen but i really like that they paid all those respects to those different horror movies in that first movie because i think it's such a good entry-level slasher movie i feel like kaya might agree with me since she that that was literally one of her first if not her first horror movie ever yes so yeah i think it was really good um and then i want to mention this fact really quick because i'm i'm the witchy one and i i'm literally a professional tarot reader um in 1666 when seraphir is buried her legs are crossed in the same way as the figure in the hanged man tarot card and that card's all about self-sacrifice um being okay with your self-sacrifice Sarah allowed herself to be hanged, sacrificing herself to save Hannah. That's the quote from the IMDb page. I would like to amend. Sarah didn't allow herself to be hanged. Um, I don't really think she had a choice, <laughs> but she did sacrifice herself for Hannah. She did say, yes, I bewitched Hannah, and she didn't have any part in this. So... Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Something I never would have noticed if I hadn't looked up the trivia. And there's also a town in Ohio named Shadyside, but I believe there's absolutely no correlation. No. Now, parallels. So obviously we have um, the good name and the fear name. However, they're like completely flipped where fear in the not not a novel in the books were the bad people kind of at least the originals were and the goods were the ones that were being accused of witchcraft right and i thought that was a little interesting i think it's interesting that there's a character named simon when simon fear was in the third book in the betrayal series I don't think he's anything like Simon. No, I don't either, but I thought it was interesting. And then I think it's kind of interesting that there 
would we consider what the goods are doing as witchcraft? Or would that be like making deals with the devil? Or I mean, what do you think? In universe, like in the story, I think they are placing a curse on somebody in order to make them do the thing. And so, and and it, it is the deal with the devil that gives them, okay, let me figure out how to explain this. The goods are the one placing the curses on the people to make them serial killers. Because they are placing the curses on the people to make them serial killers, they are the ones who get the credit for the blood spilled. The blood spilled is what is being given, quote unquote, to whoever they have the deal with, the devil or whoever it may be. I don't know. I'm, I didn't write the movie. That's my theory. We can assume that Sarah places a, a curse on the goods. I don't know if we would consider that a curse when she says, you know, the truth will unfold or whatever. Or if that's just, you know, foretelling or just her assuming that eventually he's going to get caught. I think it's the the power of your last words. I don't think her she's actually doing any kind of magic, especially not on purpose. I think that's fair. I so now what doesn't make sense to me is why when somebody bleeds on the bones i don't know it's a whole separate thing from like because like the names getting carved into the stone pillars to make them serial killers that's one thing right and then the people bleeding on the bones that's the other thing and then the serial killers coming back to life yeah when somebody bleeds on the bones and then bleeding on the bones and then the serial killer is wanting to kill the person who bleeds on the bones. That's one thing. But then them bleeding on the bones and then seeing the vision that Sarah's trying to tell them what's going on. I think that's like also a separate thing. So it's kind of like four things that don't necessarily connect. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little. I don't want to say messy because I love these movies. But, right. Um. It's a little bit all over the place just because, like, I don't know where that ties in. Like, why is it that way? Right. It doesn't necessarily make sense that the serial killers would come back to life. It just doesn't. Sometimes, I just was talking to Andrew about this today. Sometimes when you're watching a movie, you need to turn your brain off and not think about it critically. But at the same time... It's important to think about your favorite movies critically as well because right. they're good art. However, not everyone's a movie critic. Like, It's okay for a movie not to be critically good as long as it's entertaining. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, and I think these movies are very entertaining. Mostly the second two. Mm-hmm. I do like the first one, but it's definitely not my favorite. I don't know why I ever thought that. I think... Just because I thought it was such a good entry-level horror movie. Like, if I ever met someone like you who never watched a horror movie before, I knew, like, I've never had a horror movie that I was like, I can definitely show this to them first thing. 
and like that's definitely the perfect movie for that right back to the whole idea of horror movie homages the second movie had a lot of friday the 13th vibes and i just really think it's cool when like you can really tell that they loved making those movies am i a little sad that like it's not a concrete retelling of the books like maybe a little bit yeah yeah i um i bought the books specifically because i thought that movies were based on them and i like did heavy research to find out which books the movies were based off of because there are so many fear street books and it led me to the betrayal series none of these other ones but it led me to the betrayal series um and i was kind of bummed when they did not match up i mean the fear street saga the betrayal is on there and i will agree that the betrayal does track somewhat for the last one kind of as far as inspiration goes agreed i can't speak to the how many others are there two four six other books that were on that list for the pop sugar article i kind of want to read them but like if they're written anything like the fear street saga or the betrayal series i don't know i mean like i just they did take up valuable time and like i could be reading other books (laughs) i would suggest finding an in-depth summary yeah i could just read the spark notes because like i remember reading some of the synopses and dina's in it but she doesn't have a brother named josh and another thing is that like shady side in the books that we read is in in or near massachusetts i think or West Virginia, and in the movie Shady Side is in Ohio, and that's the, like the opposite of a parallel. What do you even call that? A perpendicular. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, we we should just start using that. It's a perpendicular. <laughs> the book. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That was the Fear Street trilogy. I love those movies. I think it's a great series. I enjoyed them. I think they were a good entrance for your horror endeavor endeavor into horror yeah i would agree i wonder what the next stepping stone is for you in terms of watching something more scary because like the thing is is that was such a good entry level that like i don't know i don't know if there's like a um a good next level it's either like it's either like it's here's fear street it's the same or it's like way up here in terms of intensity like there's no i don't think there's an in-between oh no i don't know i'll have to think about it and talk to andrew about it why is ending this always so weird like weird so that's what we've got for today you should give us money on patreon god you're so brazen (laughs) Because currently, I'm still the only patron. Oh my god. If you become a patron, you get access to the video version of the podcast. You also get early access. And you can see Ziggy. You get to see Ziggy. And also my cat. literally licking my face during this episode. 
yes. and making guest appearances in front of the camera. If you pay $7 per month, you get bonus Patreon episodes that are exclusive. If you want to see something like that, you can see our Alabama White Fang episode that's up on um, our platform right now. What else do you get when you're set? I don't remember. I don't know, but don't feel obligated to pay $7 because I'm only paying 2 $2 a month. That's not bad. But if you can't be a patron, that's okay. Just make sure to follow us on all our social media. We are at Movie Witch Pod on Twitter and at Movie Witch Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and all of the podcast places. Please consider sharing with a friend because the best way to spread the word is literally word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, tell your friend that you like our podcast because of course you love it and um maybe they will like it too mm-hmm. and also leave a review if you feel so inclined because that also helps mm-hmm. okay well i think that's it all right we didn't say hi witches <laughs> fuck <laughs> <laughs> Bye witches! Bye witches!